Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. You look great today, by the way. You guys, all of you guys look amazing today. Thank you guys so much for coming out on Sunday morning for Easter Sunday service. Welcome. Welcome to Legacy. It's good to be here. We love to say this. We're not just a ministry. We're a Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. And it's good that we come together as a family, as a result of the blood of Jesus. Amen. It's not because we're all the same, not because we all like the same things, dislike the same things. We're all different and unique. God loves us all uniquely. But by the power of the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ and his blood and body, we come together as one to celebrate the resurrected King, Jesus Christ. So I'm happy you're here. Just look at the person next to you and say, I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're here. And if you're sitting next to your crush, I'm doing you a favor right now. Just go ahead and give him a big compliment right now. You look gorgeous. You look beautiful. Every day is like your Easter best. It's amazing. Wow. You're a stunner. Spectacular. And I'm excited about the fact that today, the celebration that marks today is the resurrection, the risen Lord. How many of you guys grew up in church? couple of you guys, right? If you didn't, I'm going to help you with this saying. On Easter Sunday, you're supposed to say, he is risen. And then the church says, he is risen in How many of you guys heard that a few times? Yeah. If that was your first time, I'll give you a chance. We can all do it in concert together. He is risen. He is risen Amen. Isn't that good? That's the truth. So let's read a story about the resurrection of Jesus from Luke chapter 24, because I want to remind you there is something beautiful about bringing to remembrance what Jesus has accomplished for you. Now, I don't know if you can for a moment, but remember where you were the week before Jesus saved you. That ought to give you a reason right there to shout, because I remember where I was the week before Jesus saved me. I was a terrible person. I was mean. I was angry. I was vicious. I was violent. I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. I, I, I posted it on Instagram yesterday because I got my rap sheet out, my criminal record. I keep it in a box. So every now and then I'll get it out and read all the charges. And I'll say, man, I don't even remember that dude anymore. I don't even know who that guy is. I've been transformed. I got resurrected life living on the inside of me. I have a reason to have joy. I have a reason to be happy. And honestly, if I'm ever in a place where I'm like, man, I'm kind of bummed. I just remember who I was the week before Jesus came and got me. I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm actually happy. My life's going pretty well. I got a house. I used to live in a car. I turn on the faucet, hot water comes out. I used to have cold water only. Oh, y'all didn't come to hear the real testimony this morning from me, huh? I'm going to go ahead and give it a disclaimer for rated R, for real. You guys okay with it? All right, if you're in Luke chapter 24, I don't think I gave you the scripture, so you're probably not there. But we can all be there collectively through the screen. So Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 11, I want to remind us today of what Jesus accomplished. But on the first day of the week... Everybody say Sunday. 
day, just like today. At early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Hallelujah. He is not here, but has risen. Read that last sentence again. He is not here, but has risen. Let's say that together. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you that while he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. Man, I love the fact that it was a group of women preachers that shared the gospel on Easter Sunday morning. I saw, I saw somebody post this week talking about if you really want to recreate the Easter of the historic church, then you got to have a service with only women. I mean, women of God, I'm so proud of you and believe in you so much. I think women are just so uniquely gifted and anointed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you guys agree? I agree. I think it's the truth. They preach to the apostles. You know, the apostles get all the credit, you know, for preaching the big sermons. But really, it was the women that preached to them first. It just goes to show you that behind every great man is an even greater woman. It's the truth, man. I know I'm thankful for my wife encouraging me, preaching to me. Half the sermons I preach, they're sermons she preached to me in my kitchen. It's the truth, man. We all steal our wives' messages. And don't let anybody tell you anything different. It is the truth, man. But these words seem to them an idle tale. Everybody say nonsense. That's what the Greek word is right there. It said, they, they, they listened to these women preach. They said, man, this is nonsense. This is crazy. The women were perplexed. How many of you guys know? Today, there are tons of people who are hearing the story today, the Easter story of the resurrection of Jesus, and they're perplexed. And they're thinking, man, this is nonsense. There's no way this can be true, right? And they did not believe them. Now I want us to flip over to another story in the book of John, because this is on the evening of that same day, Easter Sunday morning, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. How many of you could say, yep, that was my experience as well. The first time I saw the resurrected Savior, my heart was bursting at the seams with joy. Because that's the most appropriate response to having an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. A whole lot of joy. Joy is supposed to mark Easter Sunday. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas was skipping church that day. 
So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Then eight days later, at a worship night, his disciples were inside again, and this time Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed? Because you have seen me, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is what I want to talk about this morning. My message is titled, The Greatest Comeback. The Greatest Comeback. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We know that it's true and that it transforms. And so, Lord, today we welcome the spirit of transformation and we declare that we will not leave this room different. Or, excuse me, the same. (laughs) Jesus, help me. Sometimes you just got to lay hands on yourself. You know what I'm saying? We will not leave this room the same. In Jesus' name we pray. All the saints said, amen. Amen. Y'all intercede for me. I need a prayer warrior. Uh, Today, the the title of the message is The Greatest Comeback. And and I love the fact that Jesus came back for Thomas, don't you? Isn't that awesome? I I love the fact that Jesus came back for us. He came back from death. He came back from hell. He came back from the grave. He came back. Don't you guys love a good comeback? Yes. How many guys know that Jesus is also coming back again? Yes. He promised, he said in his word that he would come back to get us again. God is so good at coming back. He's a comeback artist. The best that has ever lived, died, and resurrected. He's so good at comebacks, man. The moment when you count Jesus out is the moment that he shocks you with another comeback. And I grew up, in church, I grew up playing sports, and I'll be honest with you guys, I live for a good comeback. I do. I like comebacks. I grew up in Kentucky, so I grew up cheering for the UK Wildcats, and uh, I bleed blue. That's right. Don't like the Louisville Cardinals a bit. Don't pray for you guys at all. But the Wildcats had a, had a nickname. It was the Comeback Cats, because everybody liked to see the UK Wildcats come back, because everybody loves a good comeback, you know? Hey, man, how about Tiger Woods coming back? What's up, Tiger? Come on, let's go. Everybody counted him out. I mean, did you guys see the videos? Like all of these uh, sports analysts and announcers, they were like, man, Tiger is done. He is finished. It is over. He's never going to win again. This is what some of the folks were saying about Jesus when they rolled the stone away. I'm going to use Tiger Woods as a parable. Y'all seen the mug shot? They rolled the stone right over Tiger. They're like, he's never going to come back. He's he's finished. And then what did we see last week? Tiger wins another green jacket. Man, come on. Don't you guys love a good comeback story? I love a good comeback story. 
You know, this week, the greatest comeback of playoff history happened. Boo. <laughs> L.A. Clippers beat my team. The Golden State Warriors. We got to bind together right now to pray over Steph Curry. In the name of the Lord Jesus, because today got a game this afternoon at 2.30, and we're declaring resurrection life over the Warriors. <laughs> right, Taylor? My man, let's go. Y'all don't know, I pray for my, uh, the, the athletes that I follow. Like, I legitimately intercede for them. When I know it's a game, I'll be like, Lord, touch them right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray strength over their legs. Lord, we pray focus over their mind, Lord. If they're distracted in any way, Lord, I pray over their marriage. I'm praying over Aisha's cooking. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless their food. Bless their marriage. Bless their kids. Man, and if you haven't seen their kids, Google them, man. Their kids are cute. So I pray, I intercede. I love comebacks, man. I love it. And as I was reading the scripture this week, I just got touched, man. I was, I was, I was watching how Jesus is so good that he's so grace-filled that he said, I got to come back for my boy. I got to come back for Thomas because he loves us so much that he always faithfully comes back for us again. And as I was reading through that scripture, I love to ask the Lord a question when I do devotionals. I say, God, who am I in this story? I love to identify with somebody because I try to extract the lessons that God is teaching that person in the story, and I want to receive them for myself. You know, I said, oh, Lord, remember when you came back for me? Remember when I was a Thomas? Remember when I was doubting and you came back for me? And he said, yeah, I remember that, but you're not Thomas in the story today. I said, well, Lord, who am I today? He said, today you're John. I'm like, no, God, not John. He laid his head on your breast. That's what it said in the Bible. I don't want to be that sissy boy. I'm just letting you guys into some of my dialogue with the Lord. The one who, the one, <laughs> some of you guys are going to hear nothing else I say for the rest of the day. The one who laid his head on your breast. I don't like that, Lord. I want to be Peter. I want to be the aggressive one. I like comebacks. He said, no, no, see, you've been in ministry now for 15 years. You're like one of those disciples that, you know, started to judge the Thomases for missing the meeting. And, you know, when, when Easter happens, you always have friends and family that attend church with you. You always, you know, maybe you're here for the first time in a long time. Maybe you, you fit that mold today that Thomas carved out for us. But for me, now that I've been in ministry so long, I've got to say that in seasons, it's very frustrating to be friends with a Thomas. Because you're like, Thomas, I can't believe you. You're missing another meeting. I am so upset. I am so angry. What do you mean you don't believe? What do you mean you're having doubts? What do you mean you, you're trying to disprove the Bible? What are you talking about, Thomas? Get back in here. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. I think the church could learn a lot from the disciples and how they handled Thomas in that season. Because despite his skepticism, they welcomed him back into the family. And I felt like the Lord was reproving me through this word this week because I started to recognize how terribly that the church does in how it handles people with questions. Yeah. And so, like, if you're here today and you have questions, here's what I want you to know. Even if you're struggling with your faith, you're still welcome in our fellowship. What the disciples modeled in that moment was this. You don't have to believe in order to belong. 
They said, Thomas, look, you aren't here. You don't really believe our testimony. You're not really thinking that these things are true, but we welcome you back anyway. You missed a couple of meetings. You weren't around when this event took place. We welcome you back anyway. And that's what the community of faith is supposed to be. That is what the people who follow Jesus are supposed to be. They're supposed to listen to the questions that Thomas has or whatever your friend's name is and say, you're welcome anyway. Come back in. Jesus will probably show up again this day. Jesus will probably encounter us again this Sunday. Come back in despite the doubts, despite the fear, despite the uncertainty. And when you look at Thomas, and, and, and maybe you know a Thomas, maybe you are Thomas today. You know, Thomas gets such a bad rap, right? But we cannot forget that Thomas evangelized all of India, which is no small feat. I'm serious, man. There's like 1.4 billion people that live in that country today. I used to be a missionary there. And Thomas gave his life to that nation. He became one of the world's greatest missionaries ever. So we got to be careful not to dog people out in seasons of their doubt. Because we don't know how God's working on their heart. We don't know how God's moving in their life. We don't know how God's taking the doubt to transform it into great faith so that he can lift them up to release them into the greatest ministry of your life. Know this that the season of doubt that Thomas experienced preceded the greatest season of breakthrough that Thomas experienced. So if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, that might be me today. I've been experiencing some doubt. I've been experiencing from fear. I want you to get ready because your season of breakthrough truly is on its way. I love, you know, I love to read the story of the disciples all deserting Jesus when he gets arrested. And I think to myself, man, some people are just one good mistake away from a breakthrough. Just right there on the edge. So don't beat yourself up if you're identifying with Thomas today. Thomas, you know, Thomas really did four things. And if you're in a season of doubt or you're thinking, maybe that is me, you're doubting. You got to look for these four things. These four things that Thomas was going through. Number one is Thomas was struggling with his faith. And uh, I know a lot of people won't admit that. They won't agree to that. But the truth is when it's dark and they're by themselves or they're in the car, they ask themselves the question, do I really believe? Do I really believe? Do I really believe all this? This seems like nonsense. This seems like an idle tale. This seems like religion. This seems like a, just a routine and a practice that I don't really need to go through in order to live my life well. Do I really believe this Jesus stuff? Do I really believe this faith stuff? The next thing is that Thomas doubted the word of God. Do you guys remember that part in the scripture when they said, hey, here's the word. Remember, Jesus preached this word. Remember, Jesus quoted these scriptures. Remember the word of God. And there's a lot of folks that don't believe the Bible anymore. They doubt the word of God. They say, man, is it really true? Could this thing really be authoritative? Could it really possess the truth? After all, isn't it written by a bunch of men from yesteryear? It has no relevance to modern day society. Is this really true? That's another doubt. Maybe he was also doubting the testimony of others. I mean, the disciples who were his friends, he knew these guys quite well. They said, man, we've seen the Lord. We had this experience. We had this encounter. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I think you might be tripping. You might be deceived. Were you drinking? Who told you that? Who's manipulated your mind? What cult are you a part of? 
right? I mean, we could probably all say we experience people like that in our city from time to time. We have so many people in our city right now that are deconstructing. They're looking at faith from another angle. They're saying, this can't be true. The Bible can't be relevant. I don't know if I believe all of these things. We as a community of faith, guys, have to be faithful to welcome the skeptics into the house. Say, listen, I don't have an argument, but I want to introduce you to a person. Listen, I don't have a rebuttal, but I know a place where I can go to get in the presence of God with you. Thomas, lastly, man, he made what we call an inner vow. You guys ever heard of an inner vow before? That's when you say, I will never marry somebody like my mama. I will never go on another date again for the rest of my life. Right? Thomas said, I will never believe. I will never believe unless I see this one thing. Unless I see the nail holes in his hands, I won't believe. Unless I take my hand and I put it into the side of his flesh where that centurion soldier thrust the sword and the blood and water flowed out, I won't believe unless I put my hand in that place. That was Thomas's inner vow. He said, I'm not going to believe unless I have that experience. These people have been following Jesus for years and yet they were still having doubts. If you're in here today and you've been following the Lord for years and you're still having doubts, pull up a chair, you've got biblical company. Even the people who, who walked with Jesus in the flesh still doubted and didn't believe. Even the people who watched him raise the dead himself still didn't believe that he himself raised the dead. Even the people that listened to his instruction in person didn't even believe. When we doubt, we're not off on an island all by ourselves, forced into isolation to work it out all by ourselves. We're welcome in the biblical company and the spiritual community that the scriptures speak of just like the disciples, where we work it out in family, where we work it out in connection, where we work it out in the presence of God. If that's you today, just know you're in good company. Doubt means to be uncertain. Doubt means to lack conviction. Doubt means to have fear. But can I tell you something today? That God is not afraid of your doubt. God is not afraid of your fear. God is not fearful of your lack of conviction. No matter the questions that you have today, God is not scared away by your skepticism. If anything, he's intrigued by it. If anything, he follows you into it like he did Thomas. If anything, he comes back to you and gives you another invitation even when you think you deserve it the least. Even when we beat ourselves up and say, man, he shouldn't be coming back for me. I should have believed when that guy said, or he shouldn't be coming back for me. After all, I've turned around and I've left him. He shouldn't be coming back for me. That is the exact moment when Jesus comes back. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Man, I love 
how Jesus comes back for Thomas. Don't you guys love this so much? This is such a great picture of the way that Jesus pursues humanity because thankfully none of us got saved because we gave our lives to God. We got saved because God gave his life to us. Long before we ever sought God, God was seeking us. In the moments and the seasons of our lives where we say, man, I'm really hungry for God right now, I would venture to say, no, God's really hungry for you. And the whole reason you're getting stirred up is because his presence is closer to your proximity than it has been in the recent months, perhaps. Maybe you're feeling something that God is doing near to you and you're thinking, man, I just feel this sudden thirst for the word of God. What's well, actually the Holy Spirit moving on you because unless it's a move of grace, then it's no move of the spirit at all. It's amazing how God pursues us and chases us down even when we're doubting. You know, it, it, it's so funny. I, I, I actually saw this uh, happen before. And, and hey, Thomas, can, can I use you as an illustration? Thomas is here, guys. Thomas. He's actually in the house, the biblical figure of Thomas. It was at one time I remember, uh, you know, I was talking about Thomas and Thomas is like, not me. And I was like, no, not you, the biblical Thomas. You know, Thomas is a bi biblical statuesque Christian. And I yeah, love you. Perfect. You're amazing. Thank you. Can, you. can you do this illustration with me? So here, here's the interesting thing. Just, just stay put right here. Let's say that Thomas is Jesus. This is good, huh? It's good. <laughs> and so it's oftentimes whenever we're walking as Christians, you know, we, we look at Thomas, he's there, he can stay put. And then we, we say, man, I'm gonna make a compromise. You know, I'm gonna walk away from God. It's like, man, dude, look how far away God is now, you know? And then I take another step in this direction. I do another thing. I know I'm not supposed to. I do another thing that goes against the grain of what God has promised me. It's like, dang, I'm leaving God just a little bit further. I take another step and before you know it, it's been months, maybe it's been years, it's been seasons, it's been relationships, it's been jobs. And then all you're thinking is, man, I am so far from God. I've taken all of these steps away from God's presence. You turn around and you look in the same way that Thomas did and you said, I am not gonna believe unless this crazy thing happens in my life. Because after all, look how distant I am from God. It's been so long that I really believe in any of this stuff. I I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in, in uh, the testimony. I don't believe in the stories anymore. I don't believe in the church. I don't believe in the local church. I mean, whatever it looks like. And we start to see this chasm. We're like, man, there's no way. Even if I put my whole heart and soul in it, I couldn't get back to that chasm. That was like three jobs ago. Wow. That was four husbands ago. Wow. You know, that was 15 girlfriends ago. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Right? And you're like, man, there's no way. I mean, I give up. And it's interesting because that's the way that we think about our journeys, our faith journeys, right? You, you know what to do on this one, right? And so this is really how it is. You know, we take a step and we're like, man, I'm moving away from God. And then we take another step and you say, man, God's got to be so far away. I don't even know how this is even going to be possible for me to get back. Man, I'm going through so much, man. I just can't believe how terrible my life is now. It's like so bad. I, can't, I couldn't even get back to Jesus if I tried, man. I might as well just give up, you know. After all, I'm terrible. I mean, he knows all the stuff that I did, man. Maybe one day I can get back. There's maybe a come a time when I get back. And then, man, maybe I should just, I should just think about it. Oh. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus right there. He always takes a step. Every time we take a step, you think you're far from God, but the truth is, as soon as you turn around to, to, to even see how far you are, your foreheads hit together. That's the truth. It said very clearly here that the doors were locked. 
Jesus just walks right through all of your locked doors. Isn't that incredible? That he doesn't even need you to open your heart to him before he pursues you with all of his. That even when you think, man, I have locked down my heart, my soul, my spirit, my mind, ain't nobody breaking through here. I've been hurt too many times. I've been wounded too many times. I'm traumatized. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not letting anybody in. I'm not going to be vulnerable, especially not with God. I'm not going to let anybody love me. And then there's God just walks right through the locked doors. It's like no, no effort required on your behalf to seek me. I chose to seek you long before you were even born. So here he is. In the midst of your fear, in the midst of your shame, it said that they were afraid. They were in fear of the Jews. The same people who had crucified Jesus, they were locked in and they were saying, man, we're so afraid. We're so afraid. Fear, fear is connected to doubt, right? So Jesus steps in. He says, hey, don't worry about the fear. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. See, that's the very first atmosphere that Jesus brings to you when he begins to connect with you. As you start feeling the, the presence of peace, you start feeling something that's a little bit different. It's not fear. It's not uncertainty. It's not doubt. It's, it's comfort. It's safety. It's rest. And that's what I want to encourage you to do is know this, that as soon as you turn around, even if you've been doubting, there's peace that's going to meet you there. There's peace that's gonna meet you there. How God wants to walk with you is in a way of peace. How God wants to do life with you is in a way of peace. The atmosphere that you're called to carry and walk through this life is in a way of peace. And as long as we're turning around and letting the Lord just love us right where we are, doubt and fear have to go and peace has to come. I love the fact that Jesus actually responds to Thomas. I mean, here's Thomas making this inner vow, right? Like, oh, no, I will never believe it unless this happens. Isn't it great that Jesus responds to Thomas in the exact way that Thomas asked all of these questions? Can I tell you this, church? No matter what it is that you need to see, God will be faithful to show you. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever you're asking the Lord for, whatever you've been seeking the Lord for, whatever you've been asking God, is it really true? Is it really real? Did you really resurrect? Is the, is the word really true? Listen, God is faithful to show up and answer the questions that you have in his presence. He's so faithful. And then he, he, you know, he shows up and he responds to Thomas by answering these questions, but it doesn't stop there. What we see is a reasonable response from Thomas as he responds back to Jesus. I can see the picture in my mind. It's like him hitting his knees and putting his hand into his hand and looking and seeing the hole. And, and then, you know, it's like, what is this? It's, a, it's really you, you know, put my hand into the side. I saw this happen. I saw, I saw blood flow right here. I put my hand here. And what theologians say is that this could be the ultimate climax of the gospels in that Thomas makes a very unique and new revelatory confession. He doesn't say it. He shouts it. He says, my Lord and my God, it's like he has this moment of understanding. Something clicks in his heart in the presence of God. He says, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Why didn't he just say, Jesus, it's really you. But he said, my Lord, the word there is master. What he did was he came back to a place of surrender. He came back to a place of obedience. He came back to a place of laying down his life again. And this is how you step over doubt. You come back to a place of surrender. And you say, Jesus is my Lord. Whatever he's asking me to do, I say yes to. Wherever he's leading me to go, I will gladly follow. Whatever he's wanting me to say, I will speak up. Wow. My Lord 
You're not just my personal Lord and Savior and that I, you know, I wear a crucifix around my neck and, you know, I had the Ten Commandments over top of my mantle, framed. I burned the edges with the lighter. It's very nostalgic. But it's coming to that place of surrender again. And that's where Thomas came in his, and through his encounter. He's, he came back to that place of surrender. Whatever you want, Lord, I say yes. You're my master. But notice he also said, you're my God. In the Hebrew, that's the word Adonai, which means creator. Thomas didn't just recognize Jesus as being the one who was resurrected as Messiah. He said, no, you're actually the one who created me. You formed me and fashioned me in my mother's womb. You put the planets into motion. You said, let there be light and there was light. You created the oceans and the seas. Like you created night and day. You put the moon and the stars in the sky. You are something more than just the Messiah that was prophesied. You are literally God in the flesh. You are the one that began it all. You are the author and the finisher. You're the beginning and the end. You're the alpha and the omega. You're not just my master. You're my creator. You're the creator of all things and you, the creator of all things, you came back for me. You mean to say that you made time on your schedule? Aren't you busy? And you came back for me. Isn't it amazing God always comes back for us? Yes. I remember one time I was, I was praying and spending time in the presence of God. And some of you guys know this story because I've mentioned it before. But I was, I was laying down and I was praying. And, you know, I, like I said in the beginning of this message, I, I've been a pastor for about 15 years now. And so I understand how busy that it can be being a minister. And I remember laying there and Jesus came. And th this is just, you know, this is a vision I had just laid down next to me. And I said, Jesus, what are you doing here? You must be so busy today. Jesus was coming back for me, you know. I said, Jesus, you must have so much going on today. There's no sense in laying here. I know you got a lot going on. And it's like he reached into his robe. I saw him with a robe on. And he handed me a piece of paper. He said, there's my schedule. I was like, God, you must be so busy. Let me see. I can only imagine. I thought my schedule was bad. <laughs> Just saving the world and stuff. <laughs> so I open up the piece of paper, expecting a list, and the only thing that's there is my name. And he said, here's my schedule. I just cleared it for you, son. Here's my I just cleared it for you. I just, I just cleared the whole thing. It's just for you, because all I want to do is come back and to be with my son. That's all I want. And this is the heart of God. No matter how far we go, the heart is always to seek us. What do you think, Matthew 18 says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99? How impractical is that? It makes no business sense. You mean to tell me you're gonna leave 99% of your income? You're, you're a shepherd, this is your income? This is so irresponsible. This is so scandalous. This is so ridiculous. This is so impractical. Why would you leave the 99? who are all obeying you. They're all doing the right things. They're all going through the right motions. They're all right exactly where you wanted them to be. And you're gonna leave them to go after the one. And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. So it's not the will of my Father who is in heaven that even one of these little ones 
would perish. This, this message is not just for people who might be struggling with their faith. This message is for every Christian that feels like you could be doing more. You could be believing more. You could be reading more. You could be praying more. You could be evangelizing more. Whatever religion has told you that you're not doing enough, know this, that Jesus is pursuing you. He's coming back for you and he's ready to rejoice over you, to bring you to himself. He did not meet Thomas with a rebuttal. He did not give Thomas a devotional book. If you just read a little bit more of this, then, I, then he'd really see me. But in his, in his own spirit, not in Thomas's strength, he came and he said, peace be unto you. Here you go. Here you go, I've come back for you. Here you go, I've come back for you. And so as a result of Jesus making a comeback for Thomas, here's reality. Thomas made a comeback for Jesus. In, in, In response to Jesus making a comeback for Thomas, Thomas said, I remember who I am again. I I remember those words that were spoken over me as a child. I remember those prophetic words that that person spoke of. I remember those promises that I heard from you in prayer. I remember those moments in which you spoke to me. I was just at my kitchen table in the morning drinking my coffee, reading the Bible, and you spoke these things. I forgot about those things, Lord. Not only does Jesus come back for Thomas makes a comeback. Thomas comes back into his purpose. He comes back into alignment with his eternal assignment, Thomas makes a comeback and he says, oh, surrendered to my creator. This is me. This is where I give my life. And this is where I stand. I say that because I want you to know no matter where you are today, you can make a comeback yourself. Hey, if Tiger can do it, how much more can you? In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're gonna pray worship team is going to lead us in a song as we close Easter service this morning. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God that comes back for us every time? How many guys are thankful that because Jesus comes back for us, we can always come back to him? So today, what I want to do is I just want to give you the opportunity to respond real quick. If you don't mind, just for a moment, just close your eyes. Just receive the fullness of whatever God has spoken to you today, not just what I've shared in a message, but what God shared to your heart in relationship, whatever that looks like. Just let it rest upon you and hear those words from Jesus. Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, you're not walking with the Lord, you're not a Christian, you're lost and in sin. See, that's prophetic right there. Jesus is calling. You're being called. You're being called. You've got a calling. And you're lost. Like today's your day, all right? So with every eye closed, if you're in here today, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus. We just put your hand up in there. We're gonna we're just gonna pray right here. Great guys. Awesome. I see you. Great. Awesome. Amazing. Anyone else? We're gonna pray together right now. Today's your day. Just come on home. Come back. Come back into your purpose. Today is your day. So let's pray together as a family for each and every one that has lifted their lifted their hand today to say, Jesus, I receive you. 
I repent of my sin and I receive your grace. I am forgiven. I am set free. And in you, I am home. For the rest of my life, I give my heart completely to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 For those of you guys who prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to know that as Jesus has come back for you, you come back to the fullness of everything he created you for. Everything that Jesus paid for on the cross, every single thing that Jesus gave his life for, you will now walk in it completely, 100% in Jesus' name. From this day forward, you belong to him. God, we bless you.